Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. You could be sitting here this morning in physical pain. A debilitating physical or emotional pain. I, I couldn't even imagine what that would be like for you. You might be here this morning in emotional pain. A heartache or a burden that you're carrying. I couldn't even begin to understand that. You might be in relational pain. Your life, your relationships are just coming unglued all over the place. You might be in what I like to call a pressure pain, where you've got things pressing on you and you're in a tight place and you feel confined. C.S. Lewis said this, we can ignore pleasure, but pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts to us in our pains. It is his megaphone to raise a deaf world. In case you think, I just want to clear something, in case you think I'm up here on a pedestal uh, and have never had pain in my life that I just described, um, I'd like to tell you that yes, pain has come barging through my front door many times and it's come for a visit. Excuse me, excuse me, I'm pain, I'm coming in, make way, make move, move, I'm sitting down and I'm staying. So I'm, I'm not up here going like, oh, this is for you, not for me. This is for me as well. And can I be up front with you as I look back at my life, the times when I have learnt uh, the most about myself, the times when I have learnt the most about God, the times when my faith has been strengthened the most have been gift-wrapped in the most painful experiences. And as I read about people in the Bible, I see the same pattern. Painful experiences were how God molded them. And so he could use them. I can't think of a single character in the Bible, major character, who, who didn't experience some kind of pain or hardship or trouble in their lives. It is easier when pain comes, isn't it, to be skeptical instead of submissive. And often when the pain comes, we're puzzled. What? Where did that come from? We're confused. We lack the biblical understanding to deal with it. So we just sit in it. And we go, I, I, don't, I don't like pain. I run from pain. I hide from pain. I hide my pain. I grit my teeth through the pain. I try to find someone to blame for the pain. I ask that big question that we've all asked. If you haven't, you're not being truthful. God, why am I in this pain? Or the other big question, God, I don't like this pain, this hurts bad. Can you take this pain away from me? Oftentimes in church, if you reflect any pain any weakness, any turmoil that might be going on in your life, the response is, oh, you've got a lack of faith. Oh, well, you're not walking in the Spirit. Or, um, oh, you're not praying hard enough. Or, 
we get sort of judgmental, judgmental frowns. We're in pain. Or comments. Man, we really have to watch that. We really have to watch that reaction when the people around us, when our church family are experiencing pain or hardship or turmoil in their lives. Because it comes from a poor theology about the source and the purpose of pain. I want to show you this morning, if you'll let me, a biblical way of thinking and acting. Not my thinking, God's truth, okay? And I believe God and the Holy Spirit want, want not Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. <laughs> Let's not go down that track. Um, God and the Holy Spirit want to, want to do something new here today. They want to break off the old thinking that is holding people sitting in their pain and not moving in the direction or becoming the people that God wants them to be. So let me illustrate it this way. Oh, by the way, Simeon did those slides. Tico's still dark about it. Don't mention. Okay? Um, when I asked him to do these slides, he, he came up with this. And um, like a car turning around. And I said, why'd you do that, Sim? He goes, well, when you said turn it around, Mum, I just remembered how navigationally challenged you are. <laughs> so that's cool, babe. When you move back here next year, don't think I'm giving you a car. <laughs> but I am. I am navigationally challenged. I, I'm freely admit it. I've, I've realised this. I've accepted it. Um, I, I, I'm lucky I get to work every day, to be fair. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think I'm going the right way and I think I know where I'm going and I think I'm on the right street and I start driving and I, I get to a point and I stop and then I go, um, I don't think I know where I am. <laughs> and um, do we not do that in life? Sometimes we go along and we get to a point and we go, hmm, I don't think I'm where I'm supposed to be. But rather than, this is what I do when I get navigation, I just stop, find my GPS, and then often I have to turn around and I have to go in a different direction to get where I want to be. And we do that in life too, yeah? When we get to a point where, where we go, I'm not where I want to be, we've actually got to turn it around. And we've got to go a different way. We've got to learn something new. So I'm going to teach you this morning... This is my name. No one else has named it. I'm naming it. I'm calling it a turnaround theology. Turn it around theology. Okay? And it'll all become clear as we go along. So let's get stuck into God's word. And the Holy Spirit's going to give us insight this morning. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10. We're only doing three verses this morning. Not going to be flipping through, trying to find 67 verses. Three verses, that's all we're doing. Okay? 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10. Now, 2 Corinthians was written by Paul. It's a letter. It's the most autobiographical of all his letters. So he's, he talks a lot in it about himself and what's going on for him. And Paul is this amazing guy, amazing story of transformation from a Christian persecutor to an incredible servant of God. He planted churches all over the place. He's the central character in, how the story, um, in the story of how the early church thrived and grew. Paul wrote a decent chunk of the New Testament. All those letters, it's all him. Letters to the churches. He encouraged people. He prayed for people. He released people into leadership. Amazing guy. But the flip side of his life, the flip side, is that it was a rare day in Paul's life when he didn't face intense pain, suffering, or pressure. 
Ministry in those days was harsh. You don't just jump on a plane and guess ministry's there to meet you and drive you to where you, no, no. He had to go through some stuff. And I love it in this passage. I love the Bible that it doesn't hide this stuff from us. It doesn't hide the hard times. It doesn't hide the pain. It opens it up for us to see and to learn. And Paul opens up in this passage. First thing he says, amazing honesty in this first verse. First part of verse seven. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited. Right, free Bible study lesson. When you see therefore anywhere in the Bible, stop and go, why is that there? What is that therefore, therefore? Because before it will often be something that's going to give you a clue as to why he's using that hinge word, that therefore word, to, to, to take you into the next bit of thinking. So just before therefore, um, God, Paul has been talking about the fact that God gave him these incredible visions into the third heaven. He saw these amazing things. And God had given him all these things. This, this, and, and the temptation, I guess, for Paul was that he might show off about that. Well, God gave me the vision. Didn't give it to you. <laughs> God gave me the vision. God, God me, I, I got it. It was me. I, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. All right? Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, the word in Greek means absolutely arrogant and insolent. In the message it says, so I wouldn't get a big head. I mean, you've met arrogant people, haven't you? It's nauseating. They're arrogant when they talk. When they talk, it's all about them. It's all about what I've done and what I'm doing. Testimony is supposed to be about what God is doing in you, right? But arrogance is all based in pride. All based in pride. And pride the only disease known to mankind that makes everyone sick except the person who has it. Let's keep reading. Verse 7. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. I'm going to look at three words in those verses, thorn, messenger, and torment. I want to unpack them a little bit for you so you can see what's going on. The word thorn is the Greek word scallops, which sounds like a disease anyway, doesn't it? Scallops, right? It means a sharply pointed stake that causes severe pain and constant irritation. Hold. I went to Mitre 10 Meg yesterday. Funny story. <laughs> I was um, coming, I paid for this. It was $3.52. Um, I, I will pay that for you guys. Um, and I was coming, I just paid for it, and I was walking away from the um, cash register, the person, and this guy, I'll just hold it like this, so this guy come past me and he goes, vampire steak, is it? <laughs> and, um, you know, I... Oh, I did briefly think about stopping and going, no, well, actually, I'm preaching at church tomorrow about a thorn in the flesh and how God can, like, <laughs> but I didn't. Uh, I, sorry, God, I didn't. But, but I just went, sort of. <laughs> a thorn, a thorn in the flesh, a sharply pointed stake that causes severe pain and irritation. It's like a prickle in your foot, right? 
When you get a prickle in your foot, it digs in, it causes pain, it makes it hard to walk. And we don't know what Paul's thorn was. Some people think it was a physical deformity. Some people think it was migraines. Some people think it was chronic eye trouble. Some people think he was a hunchback. Some people think it was epilepsy. Uh, we don't know, and it doesn't matter. And I like the fact that it's vague, because pain is pain. Doesn't matter where it comes from. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. Messenger means someone who announces or proclaims. You know, the enemy hoped to use this thorn to cause Paul to defect or to retreat from his calling. And what message did the little messenger of Satan come and whisper in Paul's ear? Probably something like this. You know that God doesn't really care about you, eh? What kind of God is he? He'd let this happen to you, this pain. What kind of God? I thought he loved you. You're not going to be able to do that stuff today. Too painful. Just go back to bed. Maybe tomorrow. And the third word, torment. A messenger of Satan to torment me. It means repeatedly strike with a fist. It's like those things that Satan was saying was like, uh, 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 uh. And if I had a spare hand, I'd, okay. Repeatedly strike with a fist punching and pounding at Paul's resolve. Wow. <laughs> this is just getting better and better, Shelley. This picture you're painting, loving it. <sighs> but hang on a minute. I thought you said Paul was an incredible servant of God. I did. I thought you said he planted churches all over the place. I did say that. I thought you said he wrote the chunk of the New Testament. Yep, I did. Then I don't get it. How come he... Of all people, was given this thorn in the flesh. Surely God would, um, would want him in tip-top shape to be able to do his ministry. Surely. Why? Well, Paul said it himself, to keep him from becoming conceited. Self-sufficient, independent. God used the thorn to keep Paul on his knees. And allow space for God to move. Amazing honesty. Then Paul goes on. This time it's amazing transparency. Shows you right in to how he reacted to this. Verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Pleaded means begged. I begged God to take it away from me. You know like when your kids come and beg you for, can I please go on the computer? Please, can I please? And you can go away. No one, they come back to you. Can I please go on the computer? Please, please. Go away. You're not going on the computer. Can I please go on the computer? Please, please. And they go on and on and on so much. that in the end, you just go, oh, for goodness sake, go on the computer. Just stay out of my face. No, come on. You've done it. It's not just me. Come on. He begged God three times. You would too if you were in constant, irritating, pounding pain. You'd be begging God to take it away too. Three is an interesting number in Jewish culture and thinking. One is the number for beginning. So when you ask the first time, it's a beginning. Make a start, ask. Take it away, God. Two in Hebrew is tension. I asked the first time, nothing happened. But attention now because I'm asking again. All right, tension. 
ask again. One was, was one not enough? Tension. And three in Hebrew culture is completion or balance. He asked once, he asked twice, he asked three times, and I'm done. He doesn't deny it, he embraces it, but he asks God to take it away. What answer was Paul expecting? You read the verse, um, beginning of verse 9, but he said to me, that's God, he said to me, okay, Paul, okay, Paul, because you're doing such an incredible job of building my church, I'm going to take it away. It's not what he heard. Read the rest of verse 8. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It was a no. Paul begged God three times, take it away, it's too painful. No. Take it away. No. Take it away. No. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul didn't get the, I want you to really understand this. Paul didn't get the pain taken away because he lacked faith. Because that's often what we think and what we maybe look at other people and go, oh, they've got pain, they lack faith. No, he didn't get it taken away because he lacked faith. God has a purpose and this is for free. When God allows pain in your life, it's not to destroy you. It's to show you who he really is. New dimension. New level. Amazing transparency. And then I, I want you to, I want, I'm just going to unpack these, these two phrases. My grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect. And we're going to camp out for a little bit. Here's where the thinking gets a bit woolly in the church sometimes. It's not always God's will that pain will be taken away. Or that pressure will be relieved from your life. Does that mean we don't ask or don't believe or don't expect for that to happen? No. We can ask, we can believe, we can expect, but God may not want to do it. Every prayer we pray must be filtered through his sovereign will, which could be a yes or it could be a no. And we don't like God's sovereignty because when God is sovereign as a king or a queen would rule they could back in the old days they could do anything to anyone anytime anywhere and they didn't have to tell them why they'd chop their heads off and they wouldn't know what happened before they sneezed I mean it's just it's just God's sovereignty means that we are not in control and we don't like that we want to have a say we think it's a democracy but it's not God's in charge and if it's a no, I want you to understand that doesn't mean that you're insincere. That doesn't mean that you are lacking faith. That just means that God in his infinite wisdom has decided it's a no so that he can do something new and show you who he is. Pressure builds our faith muscle. When we know we can't do it, we get on our knees and we ask God to come in where we're weak and show us his grace and his power. Pastor Sam said this a few weeks ago. Loved it. God will bless you sometimes with the discipline of delay. 
back in the day when, um, when I came out of teacher's college, um, there were nine of us that did high school music um, training in those days. And when I came out, by February, only two of us had a job. It was just one of those years where the music jobs were all in Auckland. I didn't want to live in Auckland. Just got out of that place. And, um, and so I went to work for the church we were with at the time. I was doing music, creative arts and stuff. And, and for six months, I applied for jobs all over the place. A couple of times I got down to the last. I knew I was a good teacher too. It wasn't because I didn't have the skills. All right? But nothing was happening. A couple of times I got down to the last couple of people in an interview. They chose the other person. And um, I spent six months speaking whinies to God. <laughs> I thought you wanted me to be a teacher. I mean, there are all this training. I want to be a teacher. I thought you wanted to be a teacher and it's not happening and I don't understand why. And I thought you wanted me to be a teacher. But do you know what? After a period of time, I went to Fiji um, and, um, and God called me back there and God moved every obstacle out of the way and eight months later I was living and working there and not teaching. But God had another plan for me. And what I learned was in those six months was that God can move any time he chooses to. I learned that my life is not my own. My life is not my own, and that's given me a perspective on God's sovereignty that has got me through lots of ups and lots of downs. My life is not my own. If I get a promotion, my life is not my own. If I don't get the promotion, my life is not my own. If I, if I am in good times, my life is not my own. If I'm in struggling hard times, my life is not my own. And the other thing I learned is that I'm glad God ignores me when I speak Wynese. Because if he had, I think I've said this before from up here, I may have been married to Colin, the dairy farmer from Timaru with eight children. <laughs> no offense to Colin's dairy farmers and all that. Okay. All right. My grace is sufficient for you. What does that mean? Grace, undeserved favor. Not undeserved failure. Undeserved favor. Sufficient means enough. Enough. It's like this grace that won't let go. Like a dog with a bone, won't let go. Grace that supplies what we need. God says, my grace is, sufficient, is more sufficient than your strength. My grace is more sufficient than the advice of other people. Paul lived that. My grace is sufficient for you. And God's power is made perfect in weakness. Made perfect is a really interesting little phrase. It's in the present tense. And I'm sorry, I'm going all English teacher on you, but it's really exciting. I love this stuff. When I find, it, when I find this stuff in my study, I'm like, whoa, I found something really exciting. Present tense, which means that make perfect is not past, it's not future, it's now. And it's continuous. And it keeps going. Present tense, made perfect, not a finished product, but constantly, right now, in the process of being made perfect. And we think that power is made perfect in success. That's how the world works. Being proud, self-sufficient, independent. Paul is the most powerful when he's the least reliant on himself. That's the truth. It's going to come up on the screen a picture of two people. Any second now. 
Oh, there it is. Okay. There are two people up on the screen. On the left, someone that feels weak, inadequate, has limitations, is imperfect. On the right, someone who is strong, self-sufficient, independent, powerful. Tell me. In which person is there the most room for God to work? Totally. It's totally the weak, the inadequate, the person that feels limited and imperfect because there's room then for God to come in and do his thing. But if we're on the other side and we're going, I'm strong, I'm self-sufficient, I'm independent, I'm powerful, and where is there room for God to do anything? I can do it. I don't need you, God. I can do it myself. Weaknesses make us rely on God far more than our strengths do. It's a brilliant strategy on God's part, eh? Painful, but brilliant. Good News Bible says this. When we are weak, he pours his strength into us which gives us an entirely new perspective on pain and suffering, hardship and pressure. Pastor Peter uh, P3 said a few weeks ago when he was here, and I wrote it down again, I've heard so many things, like this sermon's been cooking for six weeks, right? So I've heard so many things. P3 said this, My pain is not my focus. My God is my focus. I love that. So keep going. Verses 9 and 10. Therefore, Paul says, there's another therefore. We've just learned what he said before that. I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amazing insight that Paul has into this. We're going to have a look at all these pain words because it's real interesting. Like Paul comes up with six or seven different Greek words, all right? They all mean something slightly different. A thorn we learned was severe pain or constant irritation. Weaknesses, limitations, incapacity, inadequacy, insults, harm or injury, where you're being harmed or your injury is being caused to you. Hardships mean external pressures, things that are pressing on you. Persecution, hostility from enemies. Difficulties. This means like a narrow, confined place where you are being pressed on all sides from all sorts of different things and you can't move and you feel tight. Ever been there? And Paul says, I mean, (laughs) when you look at that list, it's pretty much just about every kind of pain you can imagine. All right? Pretty much covers everything. Okay? And Paul says, I'm I'm not just going to sit in this stuff. I'm going to boast about it. I just spat. That was gross. (laughs) Sorry. Might need a drink of water. Well, that could be worse. I don't know. I shouldn't have said that on the microphone because now that's going to be recorded and that's not good. Um, Sorry, come back, Jesus. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Uh, My weakness here is strong. Um, 
And this is, this is where Paul turns it around. This is where Paul takes what has been causing him pain and he turns it around. He turns his weakness into a weapon. Reminds me of a story. Um, when Simeon was about four, four, yep, he um, came to me one day, he'd been at kindy, and I said to him, I must have said to him, you know, can you go and clean up your toys or something? And he went like this, <clears throat> I kid you not, four years old, talk to the hand, mum. I'm like, did he just, like, he, d- he just, uh, he, uh. but I had, I had like one of those godly, didn't happen very often, but one of those godly parenting interventions, and God said, stop, don't say anything, and in my head I was going, yeah, I've got your number, child, <laughs> so I didn't say anything, half an hour later, I know some men very, very well, half an hour later, I'm in the kitchen, he comes rocking in. Mom, can I have some biscuits? Talk to the hand, Simeon. <laughs> See, I took what Simeon was using as a weapon to not do what I asked him to do, and I turned it around. <laughs> right back on him. And do you know what? Funniest thing was, when I said it to him, he just went, he just looked at me and he just went, He didn't even try. He knew I'd won. I knew I'd won. It was all good. But do you know what? When we can take the pain and hardship that comes in our lives and we can turn it around into a weapon, we disarm the enemy. We disarm him. Because there are two things we've got to do. We've got to turn around the way we think and we've got to turn around the way we act. So, I'm going to show you what this looks like. And I'm going to stay pretty close to these notes because I spent a lot of time working this out and I don't want to miss anything out because it's good. All right, you ready? So the enemy comes and says, like, like a stick in me, you say I'm weak. You're weak, you're weak, you're weak. I say, turn it around. I know I'm weak. Isn't that great? Because where I'm weak, God can be strong for me. God can pour out his grace and power into my life. You think this pain is going to get me down. You think this pain is going to get me down? Oh, it's going to get me down, all right. Turn it around, down on my knees. If I get down on my knees, I might not get back up again. But anyway, ain't, ain't going to be no can't get my big head through the door around here. I'll carry my thorn. I'll carry the pain and the hardship and the hard times. I'll carry that because I know that in that, God is going to do something new in me. I'm gonna, it's going to keep me humble. See, you're taunting me. You're going, you're weak. I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to choose to see that this weakness, this pain is a, is a gift from God because I know he's pouring his power into me and he's molding me into the person he wants me to be. Because when I'm in pain, I get God's grace poured into me. Grace that will never let me go. will be enough for me. He takes over. I just turned it around on you. Your intention is to break me with pain. But I'm turning it around on you. Because I know God's intention is to make me. I'm 
not going to hide my weaknesses, my pain, my hardships, my difficulties. I'm going to turn it around. Oh, I just hit myself in the head. I'm going to appreciate them. I'm going to appreciate the hardships. I'm going to boast in them even. You and your thorn and your messengers who come whispering lies in my ear will not cause me to retreat from the destiny God has for my life. I will not defect. And if God asks me to carry some pain, I'm going to carry it because I know there's a purpose in it and I'm not going to sit in it and do nothing. My life is not my own. God, you are in charge. I trust God's no more than I trust your slippery words. You don't get to have the last laugh, enemy. The last say, the last word. You don't get to have the V-I-C-T-O-R-Y. Jesus has already won that victory on the cross. Jesus isn't intimidated by your games, so neither am I. I'm turning it around Because the truth is, the weaker I get, the stronger I get. That's what we call playing offense. Because too many times we sit and we just let things buffet us and we don't have the tools in our tool belt, the weapons to actually start playing offense. And start taking ground. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it in me. I'm tired of it when I see it in people in this church. Offense. Speak the truth that God shows you. During Shout, God gave me a picture. I promise you, I'm nearly finished. Um, God gave me a picture during a worship time in Shout. And it was this. I'm going to come down. I want you to understand like I said at the beginning, I'm, I'm no different to you guys, okay? Sometimes I have not handled pain well in my own life. I am, I'm not holding myself up as a great, you know, sometimes I get it right, sometimes I don't. But I totally acknowledge to all of you that I'm weak, that there are things in my life where it's hard, that there are times when, when I am pressed and I feel the weight of things, you know, that I'm responsible for. But God showed me this picture. What if in this church we didn't hide that stuff? What if we were just like up front with it? And we just said, you know what? Yep, I'm weak. And what if it wasn't just me? What if there was someone beside me? Luce, do you want to come? You got weaknesses in your life, eh? Yep. Lucy's weak. I'm weak. When we acknowledge that and we admit that, that we've got pain and weakness and hardship in our lives, do you know what God does? God pours out his grace, which is sufficient, and his power into us. So where it was just one of me, now it's double trouble for the enemy, right? Got pain, weaknesses in your life? Yeah. Yeah. God can pour his grace and his power onto Shannon. Now there's three, three of us all together, and God is pouring out his power. Ben? Got weaknesses in your life? Pain? Yeah. So, so God is going to pour his power on you. His grace is sufficient for you. And as we all gather, like if I could get every single one of you up here, but we're here all day, so I won't do that. Okay? But this is the picture God showed me. 
That if, if we all are honest and authentic and real about where we're at with God, then as we all stand together in community, God will come and he will pour out his power in this church like we have never seen before. Because we are not trying to be who we're not. We're not trying to hide where we're weak. We're not trying to push down our pain. We're facing it. We're acknowledging it. We're living with it sometimes. And we're saying, God, where I am weak, you come and be strong. Come on. Come on. So, this morning, if you know that there is pain in your life, there is weakness in your life, there is hardship in your life, I'm going to invite you to come down and join me and my friends. Because I believe God wants to pour out his power into you this morning. I believe God wants to show you in a new way that his grace is sufficient for you. And you don't have to run away and you don't have to hide. You can just be real in this place. It's okay. It's okay. God has got it. He's got a purpose for it. Will you let him do it? Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.